It is Wednesday, February 3rd, and it's time for Steve Sachs Syndrome. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. We're here. We've been doing this for like 29 years, um, just in the year 2020. Yes. But we're still doing Steve Sachs Syndrome. We're still talking about the best of sports. Um, and yeah, we've got the last football game of this season coming up um, on Sunday. And then we get to the the great wild winter that is no football. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm already starting to uh, shake and tremble a little bit. I know. We yeah. uh, shouted a little bit this weekend because there was no genuine football. Uh, yeah. The Pro Bowl sort of happened, which we'll talk about. But I was like, yeah, this, none of this makes sense. I yeah. don't know what to do. Yeah, kind of white knuckled through the through the yes. week. Yeah, I, do you? I don't know if you know. Like, just as former Los Angeles residents, someone said to me once that there are two seasons in Los Angeles: summer and not summer. And I always kind of like that. You know, yes. it's like, oh yeah, this is not summer, and then summer is definitely a time. So I think we're entering into not football. Yes, <clears throat> it was very silly. So traditionally or most of the time, uh, the weekend between uh, the end of the conference championships and the Super Bowl has been occupied by the Pro Bowl. It used to be a couple weeks later, but they decided to uh, compress it. And sort of proof that it is a completely unnecessary game, they went ahead and canceled it this year. They were like, why would you risk COVID for the Pro Bowl? Yeah, everybody was like, yeah, I'm not doing this at all. And also, it used to traditionally be played in Hawaii, which, you know, for, I think, in the sort of 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, NFL players were like, free trip to Hawaii? Great, you know? Um, Now they make significantly more money, and they're like, I own an island in Hawaii. Why (laughs) would I want to go there, you know? Yes. Uh, no, I understand. I have been to Hawaii. Worth the trip. Good times. Um, yes. So instead, they had a Pro Bowl celebration. Yeah. Um, so it was still nice for players to be recognized as, you know, one of the best at their uh, positions in their various leagues. But instead of having humans play the game, they had Madden 2021, and they basically played the Pro Bowl as a video game. You know, and I I totally missed that part of it, which... So let me just back up and say that both of my kids were very excited about the Pro Bowl. And I was like, why? And, you know, we've we've gotten Madden. uh, That was a Christmas present of PS4. So Madden has been played an awful lot in the last month and a half in this household. But we missed the Madden part and only saw the, like, the Zoom call that was the actual players. Mm. Yeah, so imperfect to him so yes uh kyler murray the quarterback from the uh arizona cardinals ended up being the mvp because that makes sense he is such a video game player he's like this little guy that looks like he's like berserk when uh you're starting to score too much it's just like so yeah it made sense that the video game player won the video game version who was who was operating the teams were the actual players doing it that i cannot say um uh so i Often they will do these sort of simulations. I'm not mm, sure if it was yeah. that or if they literally had people playing those teams. Because mm-hmm. 
because I'm interested, but not that much. Yeah, it's funny because, like, in my mind's eye, us talking about it, even though Madden has played an awful lot in this household, all I could think about was, like, the old tech mobile. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I'd kind of watch that, <laughs> you know, if it was, like, 1989 tech mobile. Sure, sign me up. Um, you do get to feel good that the Buffalo Bills had five players make the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Um, and in a good... A sign of a good team, you had two on offense, two on defense, and one special teams. So, hooray. Um, All all three segments of the game. Yes. Whereas, pointing to the current state of the Las Vegas Raiders, they (laughs) did send two players to the Pro Bowl, which is good, but both on offense, which is where the bulk of the talent is. Josh Jacobs and um, Waller, the tight end, um, were were sent. uh, And... Nobody from the defense or special teams. Uh, It it is an opportunity to say, you mean Josh Jacobs, Jingleheimer Schmidt? That is exactly who I mean. (laughs) Yes. Um, Um, Yeah. But Uh, it is a game that we usually mock and like people actually watch the Pro Bowl. (laughs) And yet when I found out that they weren't actually playing it, I was like, oh, I wanted to sort of like hate myself while I watched it. <laughs> yeah, you wanted the option to not watch it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have and said, like, well, it was on. I mean, I was doing house cleaning stuff. Yeah. This is the dumbest thing. And it just went to commercial. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're in the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about we, like, go for a walk? How about we have a nice conversation? The Pro Bowl is on. I really don't like this. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that that is that. <clears throat> and, uh, we we did have an actual anything else with the Pro Bowl. I was going to transition, but uh, no, uh, y- yeah. yay Pro Bowl. Yes, yay Pro Bowl. Uh, we did have the first sort of big move of the NFL offseason yes. um, happen, and usually with the NFL offseason, um, the sort of dramatics are with like free agent signings um, because the NFL isn't quite like the NBA or major league baseball or hockey where it's like, Oh, cool trades, you know, just because uh, the NFL like uh, draft picks are usually uh, highly valued. And because of the salary cap, most teams are like, we don't need to do trades, Uh, though that has gotten better over the last few years. Um, Like 10 years ago, we used to never have trades. It's gotten better. But this, um, so we had the opening of the NFL offseason where we saw a pretty big trade where um, the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford, was traded to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff. Jared Goff's big contract and a whole slew of first round draft choices. So suddenly it was like, oh, that's like an NBA trade. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I, I interesting to think about from lots of different angles. <clears throat> yeah, it was surprising. Uh, I I feel like I've apologized since, but last year when they were talking about uh, Tom Brady, will he leave the Patriots? Where is this going? Mm-hmm. I was like, he's not going anywhere. And then boop boop. <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers, no way. <laughs> and then there's been a lot of speculations about various quarterbacks leaving. I do think there is some ridiculous huff and puff about Aaron Rodgers and some, mm, some others. Yeah. Like, but <clears throat> sure enough, as soon as they could, they did. Um, yeah. And the Lions had announced that, you know, the Matthew Stafford era was over. He's been there 12 years, I believe. And they were just kind of 
new administration it was time to just start anew. Um, yeah. So that had sort of been announced. And there were sort of rumors that, wow, the, the L.A. Rams are using a lot of strange phrasings. Like, mm-hmm. well, Jared Groff is our quarterback for now. Yeah. Like, why would you say for now? Yeah. No one asked you to clarify that. So, and- was, But it was not expected. And sure enough, as soon as they could, uh, they did. Yeah, I I think it was yeah the the other kind of thing that um that McVeigh said um was that yeah Jared Goff will be um contending for the starting spot with John Wolford you know yeah. and this was a guy that you know we admitted we had never really heard from him and he played quarterback at my alma mater you know um so that says something about me I think as a fan but um but it was that and. You know, so it's an interesting trade. Uh, the sort of parallels that a lot of people have talked about is uh, is Carson Palmer going to Arizona Cardinals sort yep. of at the same age as Matt Stafford um, and finding some success with Bruce Arians. I think winning a, a playoff game, though not quite doing what uh, Bruce Arians would have liked to have done with that, with Carson Palmer. But it's it's a similar thing. And you could see that McVay and the Rams franchise was just frustrated with Jared Goff. Um, yes. And, um, you know, there, I think there was the thing of like, he's doing what we need him to do to win games to, we really need more out of this guy to win games. You yeah. know, I think that was the, tra- the It's going to be interesting transfer. to see how those two players do in their new spots. Yeah. Because yeah, Jared Goff could be quite good when everything was going well with the team. Right. Um, but what he did not do, which you see Aaron Rodgers do or uh, uh, Russell Wilson or otherwise, which is go ahead and like steal a game that they shouldn't have won. Yeah. You know, like they, they're just not having their best day today. But he made a couple plays at the end and found a way to kind of, you know, get them a victory. Um, you did not see that for, from Jared Goff. No. Flip side, Matthew Stafford, you see like, boy, did he put up some incredible numbers over his career where he lost a lot of games yeah, and a lot of games that they were leading in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So you could blame it that the system, the coaches, whatever, were not enough for him to be able to win. But now he doesn't get to complain. Well, I had nobody around. Me. Yeah. Like, well, you've got maybe the best defense in the league, highly regarded coach, a bunch of weapons. Uh, you can't lose 34-33 again. Yeah. Uh, my, this is slightly unfair, but I'll I'll share it because it's also amusing. Uh, but some Lions fans uh, call him sort of Matt Stafford. They call him Stats Padford, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is, uh, again, slightly unfair. He's a really good guy, plays hard for his team. Uh, but at the same time, there is that, that like they would – they would be losing big and Stafford would, um, you know, sort of come back in the fourth quarter, never really make it a game, but, you know, rack up a lot of yards. You know, I, this is a little bit, I think, unfair. He's he's played better than this um, in the years since. But I definitely thought early in his career, I was like, this guy's only as good as Calvin Johnson is good. Um, you know, sort of the early part of Stafford's career where they just had this like otherworldly human being playing wide receiver uh, in Calvin Johnson, who is just 
um, you know, tall, the one of the fastest guys in the league could catch, jump over anybody. And I was like, yeah, that's why Stafford's deep ball is so good is that he has Calvin Johnson. I, I've definitely seen Stafford play well since then, but yeah, this is definitely uh, sort of uh, okay, as you said. Not really a whole lot of excuses now. Like this is a good team, good system, lot of lot of good weapons. Let's see what you got, Stafford. But uh, hooray! We often talk about sports as entertainment, and it's like your favorite show. So yeah. those are two series. I've been, you know, yes, yeah. binging a lot of series, and they sort of get to an end of a, a season, and I'll be like, eh, I don't know about season five. I'm kind of bored with this series. Whereas the Rams and the Lions, I'm like, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll pick up season five on both yeah. of those teams next year. Well, there the other small part of this, again, what makes it kind of like an NBA trade is the Rams had to give up more for them to take on Jared Goff's contract. So there is speculation that the Rams, who had no salary cap space, now have a little bit more. Uh, but the Lions have a ton, and they may cut Jared Goff. They may be like, this isn't our guy, but they were like, thanks for the draft picks for us to take on his contract, sure. you yeah. know, which happens all the time in the NBA, but very rarely in the NFL. So we'll see if Goff even is a Detroit Lion by, by August. With the absence of football, we do start to look at other sports and yeah, I enjoy NBA and uh, mm-hmm. getting a little bit more interested in it. And we did have a guest on recently talking about uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so the Brooklyn Nets and the Washington <laughs> Wizards got together. These are two teams with a whole lot of offensive talent, but they don't seem to play a whole lot of de- defense. And an incredible game that happened this weekend in which the uh, Nets were ahead by four points with a little over 12 seconds left. It's really hard to lose a game. Yeah. Somehow they found a way to lose that game by three. Wow. Um, wow. And which, yeah, like somebody hits a three, errant pass, blah, blah, blah. Russ Westbrook hits a three to go up by one. They somehow miss a layup. The Nets do. The ball just <laughs> hangs on the rim. And then there's another foul with, you know, free throws right with the, you know, tenths of a second on the clock. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the Nets with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and uh, Kevin Durant. As I said, bet the over. They sure are <laughs> yeah. very entertaining. But yes, there are just times where he just can't seem to stop anyone. Yeah. Talk about stats, Padford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we were talking about the NFL at the top of the hour. little bit of basketball there. But we're going to uh, turn our sights to baseball, despite it being freezing cold here in Asheville. <laughs> um, we want to think about baseball because uh, we lost somebody in the baseball world just a couple of weeks ago. Tom, do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, we reached out. Uh, <laughs> we're joking offline that often uh, Facebook uh, acts as our producer sometimes. As someone will mention something on Facebook, we're like, ooh, I'd like ooh. you to come and talk to us about that. <laughs> so, yeah, we have with us uh, David Brashar, who uh, grew up in Atlanta and uh, spent uh, summers in Black Mountain and eventually uh, moved there in 1990s and uh, he is a middle school teacher here at Carolina Day and um, uh, is is an, is an actor and we share the honor of occupying the role of a crumpet the elf uh, uh, for the Santa Land Diaries in uh, in different theaters during the Christmas show season and uh, he also uh, loves uh, beer so uh, we have that in common as well so uh, David thanks so much for reaching out to you because uh, you're 
uh, excitedly able to say that uh, you had a direct firsthand experience with one of uh, Hank Aaron's milestones. But first, mm-hmm. let's just talk about that. So, yeah, you, you grew up in the Atlanta area and you mentioned that uh, it was a thing to get to go to Braves games with your dad. It was. Um, yeah, all through the early 70s and I guess late 70s, too. We used to my dad would take me to Braves games and, you know, they were terrible. They were just terrible. <laughs> Hank Aaron was the one highlight. And we would sometimes get a, a new rookie, Buzz Capra or Rico Cardi. I remember those <laughs> names and I saw them play. But my memory of going to Braves games is they were so casual because mm. the stadium, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, which is no longer there, which is a shame in my opinion, um, the capacity was about 55,000. And I can regularly remember going to games and at, at the seventh inning stretch, they would announce the attendance and it was regularly you know, 7,000, 8,000 people. Yeah. The place was deserted because the, the Braves were terrible. Um, but in the 74 season, um, of course, we all loved Hank Aaron um, and Chief Nakahoma. I can remember, remember Chief Nakahoma. But in that season of 1974, um, my father worked for a company that had uh, a pair of seats on the first baseline that they would give out nice. to employees who signed up for him. And Hank Aaron, of course, was approaching, was approaching the record. And he hit 714 somewhere else. He wasn't in Atlanta. Um, and my dad just sort of guessed. He sort of, you know, projected out into the future based on the frequency of Aaron's home runs. And he picked a date a month or uh, weeks in the future. I don't know. Uh, got the tickets from his company and... He hit the jackpot. Wow. We were there the night. Uh, um, fantastic. We'll want to hear about that. But what was it like to go to games with your dad? Is Was he also casual or did, did he get worked up? Was there protocol to supporting a baseball game in his world? No, it was just, you know, back then it was dirt cheap to go. And <laughs> we just go and sit up, in, you know, somewhere in the outfield with nobody within 100 yards of us and wow. eat peanuts and hot dogs and, you know, yell at the – yell at the players and stuff it was it was i think um eddie matthews i think was the general manager at that point oh, yeah. he'd been a, i know he'd been a great in the braves earlier on i think one of the names rico cardi buzz capper was a big deal <laughs> of course phil negro who we also just lost yes yeah that man was throwing knuckleballs until he was like 90 he was it was unbelievable to watch him play and i think he i think he was in his late 40s even then he was really old before <laughs> yeah yeah, Phil Necro perpetually in his late 40s. But um, so what was um, so, you know, this is one of those things that, you know, I've always kind of read about, but wasn't there to experience. But just the um, always heard that, you know, Hank Aaron was getting just the just the awful, you know, letters in the mail. I think maybe even the FBI was brought in for his protection, just, you know, racial epithets being uh, mm-hmm. yelled at him at stadiums mm-hmm. and in his community and his home community. Um, so I, I just wondered if like what the atmosphere was like leading up to it. Like I always read that and, you know, it's kind of like reading about like civil rights moments, but in textbooks, mm-hmm. you know, or like in magazines or something mm-hmm. like that, like, I mean, did you get a sense of that too? Or was that like isolated community? Like how real was it? I mean, not that it's false. I mean, just like how how big was it? How loud was it, I guess? Honestly, um, I was 
when he hit 715, I was just shy of my ninth birthday. So I don't know if it's that I wasn't aware of it because I wasn't reading the Uh media or my father kept it from me. Um, or if those things have just come out in recent years, yeah, uh, we know the terrible time he had and the death threats and yeah, I mean, the incredible bravery on that man's part. Yeah. As a kid, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. I don't mm-hmm. know if it wasn't in the media much. I think a lot more has come out since then. Yeah. Understood. And he is also someone who didn't necessarily mm-hmm. want to draw attention to that. He was just yeah. figured that was just part of his progress towards becoming a great player. Um, then let's just say focus on the game itself. Mm-hmm. So uh, he uh, hits the home run, a 1-0 pitch, uh, Al Downing kind of thing. And then people are rushing out of the field and running around the bases with him. Uh, what was, I would imagine, as a, you know, as a young kid, you're like, yeah, what is this? This is crazy. I remember it very well. No, and I knew what was going on. I mean, I knew, I knew that it was a big deal. I knew what was going on, that he was going for the record. I knew all that. Um and we were, again, we were on the first baseline. We were up, I don't know, maybe 20 seats or so. Um, wow. He got up. It wasn't his first at bat that game. I remember that because the first time I think he fouled out and or something, we all went, oh, whatever. But when he got up, I remember this so well. The second his bat connected to the ball, there was no question. It was out. It was a huge hit. And that entire stadium, which I think was more than 55,000. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think they put in extra seating. Awesome. It was this incredible, tremendous roar. Everybody was instantly on their feet before the ball had left the infield. And I remember my father turned to me and he picked me up and he put me on top of the seat and he said, son, you're witnessing history. I'll never mm-hmm. forget those words. Ball went out. Um, the place, it was, it was pandemonium. People were yelling so loud, everybody on their feet, screaming and yelling. And I do remember the people who jumped out and ran around the bases with him, which in retrospect must have terrified him, you know? Yeah, I think he's commented on that, that, that oh, in the moment, um, it was, it, he wasn't really able to feel that sense of joy because all he could think about were, yeah, white, young white guys running at me. Are they going to um, kill me? Are they going to, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, I think he said that in retrospect. But yeah, I, and that's the like, like I mean, we've all seen the replay now, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds of times, and that's the big thing that we remember is like that guy in the white jacket, kind of yeah. like patting him on the back or yeah. whatever. Really spoiled the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of spoiling, uh, so what was it like to go to any game after that? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you're just—it's kind of like you bend to the moon. You're like, oh, really? So the crowd isn't going to erupt and run onto the field? Oh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, not until, I guess, the 90s when they won the uh, – or didn't win, they lost to Minnesota. Um, yeah, they they honestly, they were – I remember that game really, really well. But the other ones are just kind of blurs of, you know, Rico Cardi and Ethan Popcorn and going to see uh, Chief in Oklahoma. Because, yeah, you also mentioned that, that you were, uh, yeah, in Atlanta at a time when the sports teams were kind of collectively terrible, not just the Braves, but uh, the Hawks and the – Falcons and otherwise. Um, Let me tell you, we had a we had a hockey team called the Flames. Yeah, and I used to love going to those games. I think hockey is one of the best sports to watch if it's live. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun. They were terrible, terrible. So they left Atlanta in I don't know, nineteen eighty maybe, and they went to Calgary. And within just a few years, they won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> we were so mad in Atlanta. We're like, thanks a lot for that guy. 
<laughs> well, uh, back to Hank Aaron. Um, just uh, so what was it like, like the next day at school? Is that like all you guys talked about or did like things go back to normal? Like what, what was that like? Well, again, I was in about fourth grade. My right. Old, my old, I have a brother who's eight years older than I am. And the school that he was going to, Hank Aaron's kids went to. Uh-huh. He, knew, he knew Tommy and I can't think of the boy's name. He knew him distantly. Um, and but it, even in fourth grade, we were all because we loved we loved the Braves. You know, we're like, oh, Hank Aaron, whatever. You know, we were really proud. I went to a very very diverse elementary school, so there was a whole lot of support for him having you know, been a minority to set this record. And yeah, it was it was all the buzz in fourth grade at Woodward Elementary in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> Um, I, I do have one, uh, Tom, I know you were talking about stats. I do have a cool Hank Aaron stat that I yeah. really like. Um, mm-hmm. So um, so remember that um, he broke Babe Ruth's record um, and then still kept on playing after that. So he finished his career with 755 okay. homers. Yeah. Um, so if you take away that number of homers, he still had more than 3,000 hits in his career. Uh, and you can't say that about any other hitter who hit more than 500 home runs in their career. Barry Bonds, Babe Ruth, A-Rod. Um, so it was just a testament to Hank Aaron that he could hit for power, but also could get on base, too. Like, he was just he was just a pure hitter. Yeah, he's, yeah. That's sort of how we uh, teased the interview when I uh, reached out to David. It's like kind of the take is sort of a testament to how cool he was and how great he was. Yeah. That I, even now, I don't think we fully understand how cool he was and how great he was. Like yeah. Scott, that was a perfect example. So, yeah, I mean, so now he is second in the, you know, total uh, career home runs, you know, mm-hmm. under some controversy. And still, he put out this really mm-hmm. great message to Barry Bonds when he did set the mm-hmm. record kind of. And used it as an inspirational moment, which is like when I did it, and I hope this moment too, um, serves as a call to you, you, people to go ahead and, and you know reach for their dreams and, and make the impossible happen. It was just so great. But yeah, so uh, second, but yeah, he is still um, first in uh, uh, RBI, total bases and extra base hits, which basically right. defines like a great offensive player. Yeah. Um, uh, while at the same time winning three gold gloves along the way, went to 25 all-star games. It just, insane. just so great. You know, like, you know, hit 30 home runs or more 15 times, 90 RBI or more 16 times. It just, yeah, th- hit 300 or better 14 times. Just so good for so long while wow. not really being a big look at me, look at me kind of guy. He was not a celebrity. No. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that, you know, like, I mean, he only just died a couple of weeks ago, but he had already moved into this um, this place of myth. Um, so my my daughter, Stella, is in middle school. And so she had an art project where it was like, OK, you'll have like an important figure and you'll draw this figure's portrait and also sort of do research on this person. And I don't know if she chose Hank Aaron or if Hank Aaron was chosen for her, but, um, but but yeah, that was it. She drew a really cool um, drawing of Hank Aaron. And so it was really weird to say to her, you know, 
I'm sorry to say that Hank Aaron passed away, but it was also this kind of thing that he was like already like on a Mount Rushmore, you know what I mean? Of, of amazing baseball players and also a profile in courage. Mm -hmm. You're here. uh, An excellent quote um, uh, about him. The only man I idolize more than myself, Muhammad Ali. Um, (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very cool. Um, And then, yeah, so just everything you said when he did pass away, there's just the way that he he did things. I know this is very strange. It's not the same thing. Uh, We marked the passing of country western singing singer Charlie Pride. Um, a few weeks back, mm-hmm. the same thing. Who just kind of set about doing what he did because he just loved singing. He loved, uh, you know, uh, country western music, and the fact that he was often the first or the only kind of you know uh, African American person to do any of these things. That's not why. That's not what he mentioned when he went out on stage. He just went to like, hey, I'm here to sing some songs that I hope you enjoy. I feel yeah. like Hank Aaron was sort of the same thing. Of like, I'm not going out here to set some example would have like that. I'm, I'm glad that it is, but I, I'm here to you know, contribute to my team, to try to win a game, to try to you know, do the thing that I have been given these talents to do. And, mm-hmm. and that's enough. And it was, anytime you see him talk in an interview or otherwise, he just was so smooth. Yeah. Um, great. So uh, uh, David, we left to uh, have you stay on. We do want to hear more about uh, kind of getting to go see games in Atlanta at some of these uh, other teams. Hey, David, it's great talking to you. So awesome to hear about Hank Aaron. I, I, it's funny. I'm Like, we've been talking about this. I'm going to go watch the clip again. Like, it's just <laughs> one of those things uh, that, you know, I have in terms of, like, a video memory. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you have it from the first base side angle. Yeah, I'm really happy to have been there. Uh, I've got the tickets framed. That's what Tom saw on my Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we'll just stick with the same thing, going to see Atlanta Brave games, particularly when teams aren't that good or otherwise. Was there anything about going to the stadium? Did they do anything kind of fun in between innings events or, you know, running around the bases backwards, any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, they always had those seventh inning things that were fun. I used to love going out to, I'm sure this is incredibly politically incorrect now, but they had a mascot named Chief Nakahoma. Mm. He was a Native American. I think he was Creek or Seminole. He was from South Georgia. But out above the left field fence, they had a big platform and they had a teepee there. And he would come out before every game and he would do a dance on the pitcher's mound. And then he would run. Um, but kids could go over there and talk to him, get his autograph. Mm. He was a very nice man. Um, I, you, could, that, you couldn't do that today. <laughs> yes. And then... Uh, at some point, I don't know the date, I think it was after the home run, Ted Turner bought the Atlanta Braves. And, um, yeah. you know, at that point, he had, um, you know, I mean, he, at that point, he was already a larger than life figure himself. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, owned TBS and basically bought the Braves in order to put him put them on his yeah. television sh- st- show station and yeah. like he was a big promoter and uh, so what was it of like were there like crazy Ted Turner stories I know you were a, a young kid but yeah he was a huge icon in Atlanta and you either yeah. loved him or you hated him I thought he was great because he said exactly what you know everybody else was thinking um but the thing about – I remember when Ted Turner first, first bought the Braves, one of his players – I can't remember who it was 
his jersey number was 17. And so Ted Turner put channel on top on the guy's jersey. <laughs> he got in trouble for that. They said, you can't, you can't do that. And so he took it off. The Ted Turner stories I know, I know he used to have a theater out in Roswell. He had like a, he owned like this big 16 theater multiplex. And in one of them, Gone with the Wind showed all day, every day. Wow. So if you wanted to see it on the big screen, you had a place to go. <laughs> but my, my favorite story of Ted Turner was he he bought the, at some point, he bought the MGM Film Library. Mm, right. And he owned all these old films. And he took some some classic old black and whites and he had them colorized and re-released mm-hmm. them. And there was a press conference. I remember this so well. There was a press conference in which they were... The, the reporters and the critics were raking him over the coals. They were saying, how dare you mess with these icons of art? And, and one of them said, who do you think you are? And Ted Turner said, he said, last time I checked, I owned those movies. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Tom. That's a scoreboard. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Kevin Durant. Yeah. Yeah. But he was a huge philanthropist in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time, if ever you saw like some new public work, some, you know, something philanthropic that was great for the community and it said anonymous, it was either Coca-Cola or it was Ted Turner. Mm. Wow. You knew one of the two. Um, then, yeah, I wanted to ask you about you know, interacting with some of the other Atlanta sports teams. Uh, I've, I've always enjoyed mm. the Atlanta Hawks as a concept. Um, yes. uh, <laughs> growing up, uh, in the uh, 70s and 80s, where I'm a Boston Celtics fan, and Celtics and Hawks had some great uh, series and rivalries, and uh, yeah. got to attend the uh, Larry Bird, Dominique Wilkins, you know, back and forth playoff game. Um, but uh, so, is, is that anything that you uh, got to see, or do you remember at least some of the personalities, Chuck Rollins and otherwise, from from the Atlanta Hawks? I'm trying to remember the guy who was huge. My son Henry could tell you that. Did Dominic Wilkins play for the Hawks? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Dominic yeah. was. Yeah. Who was he playing for them? Say you again. Know, you know when that was? What? What? Eighty. Eighty-two. He would have been okay. drafted. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did. I saw him play a couple times. I remember he was a big guy. I only went to a few Hawks games. My gratitude to the Hawks is in the. It was the last season that Michael Jordan was playing, mm. and I was living up in New England for a while, and I thought. I should see this guy play. I don't follow basketball. I don't care. But everyone's like, this, this man's superhuman. So I called my dad in Atlanta, and he got a ticket to some absolutely worthless Hawks. Well, it was Hawks and the, and the Bulls, I guess. Must have been the Hawks and Bulls. And, of course, the Bulls could have cared less about the Hawks. And he got me, like, three months in advance, he got me these nosebleed seats. And the place was packed. And I saw these little figures running around on the court. <laughs> but I got to see Michael Jordan play. It was a totally forgettable game. But I saw him in person that's my really that's pretty good um and i i did want to just move back to baseball really quickly um yeah one of the other figures that the braves were sort of known for again bad team great player was dale murphy and oh sure and you know again another icon of atlanta sports uh any any good dale murphy interactions moments well, yeah. Um actually not actually on in 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 the stadium. Yeah. But he um he had by the time he came in, I think I was in college maybe and mm-hmm. I, I wasn't going to Braves games anymore. But of course he was legendary. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's an Asheville connection. His um sons went to a camp up in Black Mountain that I worked ah. at for years. And so 
he, one of the summers he actually drove them up from Atlanta. Usually it was his wife. Um, and I didn't know who he was. People had to tell me he was the nicest man you have ever met. Mm. He was so polite and his boys were great. So that's the Asheville connection, but I never got to see him play. Yeah. It was great. Awesome. And then just, uh, any sense of just, yeah, what was it like growing up in Atlanta, sports or otherwise, in the seventies uh, and eighties? What were other things that were uh, like um, no other, or wish weren't that way? There, um, I'm, I'm I'm realizing now that all of the professional sports that I saw in Atlanta, none of those venues are standing anymore. Mm, yeah. Where the Falcons played, where the Hawks played, the Omni, it's gone. Yep, Fulton County Stadium. Um, this. This is a sports tangential story that sure, says more Atlanta than it does about sports. But back in the maybe mid late eighties, they tried. I think that's a guess. They tried to start a professional indoor soccer league in Atlanta. Oh yeah, we know how well those all go. Anyway, <laughs> there, was, there was there was this huge advertising blitz, and there was a billboard put up in Buckhead. If you know where Buckhead is in Atlanta, it's a rich yeah. part of Atlanta. There was a billboard advertising this new Atlanta indoor professional soccer team and the billboard said atlanta hasn't been this hot since sherman came to town oh my god that billboard was taken down in three days <laughs> people were still angry about it can you believe it that is something who well, were the marketing geniuses who came up with that <laughs> well i i mean ironically i don't know what the right word is but now you know today the um uh, the major league soccer team in Atlanta, I mean, yes, is very hot. Like you oh, can barely, they? you could barely get a ticket to see those of uh, that team. Their name, I don't even know the team name. I, I I can't remember Atlanta United, maybe something like that. But they, I I mean, they're uh, very popular. They they do pretty well, but that has just taken that city by storm. Good. Do you, know, do you know the venue they play in? I, have, I mean, I, I think they built. Um, they played it in the Mercedes Benz um, Stadium where the Falcons play now. But then I think they have their own stadium now. Okay. None of that existed when I was a kid. So. <laughs> yeah, they're they're Atlanta United FC. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's the same thing. It may not mean anything to you, David, but uh, so America starts this, you know, major soccer league, but they name all their teams similarly to the way that Europeans. Team. So yeah, it's either yeah. like Real or, yeah. you know, yeah. all these kind of things. So it's just really strange to have like Real Utah and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And right. yeah. FC Salt Lake. Yeah. Um, well, hey, David, this was great. Thanks so much. This is uh, kind of what Steve Sack Syndrome is about, is if we can reach out to someone who's had an immediate fan experience or just um, can uh, share a viewpoint that we think maybe sports and non-sports fans might enjoy. Um uh, out goes the offer and you said yes and we very much appreciate that so uh, thanks for joining us it was, it was really great to talk to you and yes let's hope that we are all up on stages sometime soon doing what we were uh, uh meant to do uh yeah great to talk to david um hearing those stories um not only about hank aaron which was great and i can't believe he was actually at that game yeah, like it, you're just there for history but then also like hearing about Atlanta in the seventies and eighties. That sounded pretty fun. Yes. Um, so we are heading towards the Super Bowl, and, uh, 
we could spend lots of time sort of breaking down the strategies and the blah, nah, we'd rather talk prop bets. <laughs> yeah. And like we used to say, like, if gambling were legal, now gambling is legal. Um, and I, I mean, are, you're not a betting man. I mean, I think we've talked about this. I, I'm just too much of a cheapskate. I, I would never do it because of that of like, can you guarantee me a return? Then right. no, then no. I, I have that as well, as well as I don't necessarily like what it does to my personality. Yeah. Like red wine makes me uncomfortably honest. Uh, gambling starts, I start like threatening players' families. You know? yes. How dare you do this to me? Like, I'm yeah, pretty sure fantasy- he has other things on his mind than your $25 box at the Super Bowl, you know? And that's why, like, fantasy football, like, invades too much into that space, right, yes. for you. Yeah. Um, but it is, yeah, when there's real money involved, I just get, yeah, icky and weird. And it's more fun to think about this. So, yeah, we're, we've got the game that's here, but, like, Super Bowl is the Super Bowl of gambling, if I can <laughs> say that. Um, like, it really is where, like, uh, a lot of, like, professional gamblers say, like, this is kind of amateur hour for gambling, but it does, Vegas loves it because, yeah, um, you can bet on anything. You can always bet on anything in sports. Um, you can always do that. Just but I the think amount this, of bets oh, that are on the first play of the game. Yeah. It's incredible. So for anyway, just know, yeah. So prop bets are kind of specific bets, uh, you know, about the Super Bowl, whether that be, uh, you know, uh, points, things certain players will do, length of the national anthem, any of that kind of stuff. If you can gamble on it, uh, somebody will be. And so Scott has found some of the more choice uh, considerations. Yeah. And then even before the game starts, you can gamble um, here are the odds for Eric Church wears sunglasses during the nap- national anthem, nine to one, mm. Pl- plus nine hundred. Uh, so that's a good one. Uh, so that's before the Super Bowl starts. Uh, props you can um, gamble. You can bet this. Uh, what will be said first, COVID or pandemic? Um, so, uh, COVID is minus 500 pandemic is plus 300. So COVID gets the, uh, is, the, is the clear favorite there. Right. Where well, I'm going to be wearing my pandemic t-shirt and painting my face pandemic colors. You know, <laughs> in, in uh, full support. So Tony Romo, uh, is the, uh, is the color commentator for the game. Uh, you can do an over under number of plays. Tony Romo correctly predicts in advance. It's two and a half. But this is even better. The over-under for Tony Robo saying, let me tell you, Jim, it's two. <laughs> so Perfect. It, I, I think he'll go over. I would take the over on that. Um, you can also gamble on the coach to have nostrils seen first during the game. Andy Reid or Bruce Arians. Uh, Bruce Arians is minus 250. So, yes. Um, yeah. Which has just been a thing along against sports. I know we're doing their best to let sports happen and follow some protocol, but basically managers and coaches wear a mask, but then we'll take them down to yell or spit, which is <laughs> yes. basically the two things that are the most spready. Um, I'm like, okay, fine. But yes. Just the, the worst is when they take their, their masks down to cough, where you're like, yeah. 
That's exactly why <laughs> you're not supposed to cough if on I people. Could okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, uh, anything I, else uh, specific I, to players or situations? Well, this is not about players. How many commercials will have a dog in it? Mm. Um, so over four and a half is minus 250. So, yeah, um, you have to pay money to win money. However many it is, it's not enough. <laughs> yes. Um, let's see. There'll be a uh, first song to be performed by the weekend during the halftime show. Um, you know, what's it called is the clear favorite. Um, what is it? Blinding lights. No, mm -hmm. no, no, no. Field. Uh, oh, the field is three to one. Um, odds to perform with the weekend. You can gamble that it's Drake. Um, Ariana Grande, Future, or Lana Del Rey. Um, so those are a few uh, that are there. And of course, uh, the favorite one that everyone loves, you can gamble on the color of liquid poured on the winning coach. Um, the clear favorite is orange at plus 125. Oh, so I want it to be red Kool-Aid over Andy Reid. <laughs> As the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Tom, uh, you in the past have had strong opinions on the choice of the Super Bowl halftime performer. The weekend, um, how are you feeling about that? Um, I have no ill feelings towards him. Okay. It seems like there's like a commercial going around. He's sort of, everyone's singing the song and he drives up in his convertible and they're like, oh yeah. my God, it's him. Seems like a nice fellow and everything. Uh, I'm just <laughs> not fully convinced that he has reached a place mm. where I just can't wait to be filled with his library of songs. Kind of thing. Yeah. So that's all. I'm like, okay, I, I, I guess we could go with him. But yeah. really, have we kind of expired all the legendary rock, you know, soul, R&B, and hip-hop groups yeah. that we're getting to? Someone who's sort of been pretty good for the last three right. or four years? <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I kind of am ready to unsubscribe from that song because it's in the commercial. Yeah. CBS has been playing it during all of their... Um, their games over the entire season. Yeah. So it's just been a lot. And it also, for me, sounds like Take On Me by AHA. So every time that song comes on, I'm right. like, oh, now I've got AHA stuck in my head. Uh, yes, but maybe I could be surprised. I'll just give an example. This uh, last, mm -hmm. this past weekend's uh, Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. um, which featured Machine Gun Kelly, who I sort of knew. And I was like, mm -hmm. I guess so. But his second song crushed it was really good and i was like nice. oh here i was totally going like who's this clown and i was like oh <laughs> i really like this song so I, I could be surprised it can happen yeah and um i do know that my kids and jenny are both pretty excited for the weekend so um, it's kind of why they do it yeah and, uh, but i like that you suddenly turned into a guy from the progressive commercials who needs to be reminded that they're not their parents where you were like, he seems like a, a nice enough young man mm -hmm. <laughs> when you were talking about it. So yeah, you're going to be on the progressive commercials about turning into your parents. Uh, I, I, I sure hope so. <laughs> I'd be glad to feature. Uh, uh, I would just like to point out, it is one of my proudest accomplishments, not the Super Bowl, but I was featured in a commercial that played throughout a playoff a season mm -hmm. um, on, a, on a, a Southwest Airlines commercial, so that 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 felt good. 
Um, and that's the first time I ever met Tom Chalmers was, um, I think it was probably during that Raiders Patriots. Um, you've told that story of the, yeah. the Raiders Patriots ice bowl game. Um, so yeah, yes, please to being on a commercial again. Um, so <laughs> hooray. And yeah, just really looking forward to the Super Bowl. It, it does promise to be entertaining, you know, uh, the goat with what may be the player that could take his place someday. So two great quarterbacks, two teams with so many talented players, uh, you know, idiosyncratic coaches and hooray. I'm all for it. Um, And I would be uh, surprised if it ended up being a repeat of the, you know, Patriots Rams Super Bowl of two Mm -hmm. years ago. Um, I I think it's going to be good and entertaining. Um, So, yeah. All right. We will uh, finish off the week as we often do by just acknowledging uh, those who have left us this week, which uh, sadly becomes um, just too many people. Just from the world of sports. So, yeah, uh, John Chaney, longtime coach, basketball coach yeah. at Temple. Uh, John Chaney, that's just a yeah, happy right. voice. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, an, an important figure. Um, uh, well, uh, Dick Callahan was the public address announcer for the A's and the Warriors and the Cal Golden Bears. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just, you know, if you were from California and you ever attended any of those games, you heard his voice at some point, <laughs> along with, you know, uh, you know Cicely Tyson and, uh, and Cloris Leachman, uh, mm-hmm. one of just the Mel Brooks movies. To be in the Mel Brooks stable of performers is uh, something I, I dreamed of. And then for music, yeah, Hilton Valentine, the guitarist from The Animals, or Double K from People Under the Stairs, a really underrated uh, hip-hop group. Um, yeah, comedy writer Mark Wilmore, Larry Wilmore's brother, and just mm-hmm. just so many uh, people that we are sad to say goodbye with. Uh, yeah, sort of a specific one, but yes, Dustin Diamond did uh, pass away today. We are doing this on Monday the 1st, um, who was Screech on Saved by the Bell. And I have to admit, he sort of had what I wanted. I wanted to be sort of the comic relief yeah. on like a, on a teen uh, kind of, you know, uh, dramedy, uh, like say by the bell kind of thing. So I was, that's what I always thought I, I, I would be, which is sort of like the funny guy who sort of like, you know, brings levity to that very special episode kind of thing. So if, I know he's been if dealing... only you had my hair, you could have been. Yes. I know he's yeah. been dealing with some health issues for a while. So uh, sorry to, to see him go. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.